he said, I've got five minutes. Give me your spiel. And he, he cut me off and he said, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. He goes, and this was in uh, May of 2011. And he said, I, what I want you to do is send me an invoice in June for $5,000 and send that to me every month for the rest of the year. And then we'll talk. Well, we're still talking because he's still giving Heroic Media $5,000 a month. And it is April of 2020. Welcome back to One Visit Away with your host, Kevin Fitzpatrick. This show focuses on true stories of philanthropy in order to understand what it takes to succeed in major gift fundraising. Listen to these stories and you'll realize you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your benefactors and your organization. I decided to start this podcast to remove some of the mystery about how major gift fundraising works. I can't think of a better first guest than today's guest, Mike Murray. Mike is a Dallas native. He attended Jesuit College Prep and then the Catholic University of America. He then went back to Jesuit to work as an admissions officer. Then he attended SMU Law School, and upon graduation, he worked for the Collin County District Attorney as a prosecutor and then in private practice for 13 years. He then began his career in major gift fundraising by opening the Dallas office of Heroic Media in 2010. He is now the Chief Development Officer at Catholic Charities Dallas. Now, I met Mike in 2013 when I was a junior at the University of Dallas because I started interning for him at Heroic Media. Mike was my first exposure to fundraising and has been an incredible mentor and friend. When I first started full-time at Heroic Media and Mike had moved on to his next job, I would call him just about every day with questions. So I owe a lot to him, and he knows a great deal about what it takes to be successful in major gift fundraising. Thank you so much for listening to episode one of One Visit Away, and I hope you enjoy this exciting and informative conversation. Thanks so much for being on the first episode of One Visit Away, Mike. Well, it's an honor, Kevin. This is really exciting. You have a podcast, and I love the name of it. It just fits perfect for uh, fundraising. So I think you're off to a great start. Well, thank you. And I know you've, uh, of the many accomplishments in your life, you know, married, five kids, right? Yes. yes. And uh, lots of career success. And now you're the first guest on my podcast. <laughs> how, how does that rank among the other uh, accomplishments in your life? Well, I've climbed the mountain and I'm going to retire now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll just go ahead and uh, tell me a little bit about you don't have to go too much into detail, but tell me about how you got started in major gifts. And especially, uh, I think there's a story of how uh, there was a consultant that did a little bit of work with you when you started at Heroic Media. And let me know how that kind of informed the trajectory of your career. It's really interesting because the way I got into fundraising, I think, is reflective of how you have success in fundraising, is that I found out about the job at Heroic Media and Austin Company through a, uh, not a partner of mine in my law practice, but a lawyer I worked with. And he had a connection uh, through estate planning and things like that with a guy who was trying to find a fundraiser in Dallas for Heroic Media. And my friend told me about it. I called a guy who lived in Milwaukee. Uh, a little bit into the conversation, it turned out we had gone to the same high school in Dallas together. So. It was a great sign. He was a professional fundraiser. He dealt with wealthy families and their endowments. And 
after we got to know each other, we met a few times and said, look, you do not have a fundraising background, but you know the issue and you know the community. And I'd rather have somebody like that than somebody with the background, which would be nice, but you'll learn that. And so I learned right away, and this proved to be true as I built Heroic Media in Dallas, was it was all about my network, and my relationships. And if I hadn't grown up in Dallas and been very active in the Catholic community, I would have lasted Heroic Media for maybe six months because you have to know people. And that is, is what I did with those relationships. But I, I had a very good foundation to start and major get fundraising because of my experience in the community and my network. So wasn't there, I believe at one point you told me there was, there was some sort of consultant that either worked with you right when you got started, or maybe it was just a, a very brief uh, oh, yes. conversation. And, and I think he said something about, um, you know, telling you, y- you had a certain level of, uh, of, I think the word he used was you're in terms of aggressiveness, you're kind of here. And does that ring any bells? Yes. So Gene, who'd raised tons of money for hospitals in Central Texas, great guy. Uh, he said, um, you know, part of your persona is you're nice <laughs> and you build relationships and you're nice. And that's great. Uh, but you also the 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 end goal of these relationships is is to raise money. And you do a lot of things, cultivating and so on to get to that end. Uh, and I think that you'd be surprised by how open these people are to being direct and asking for a gift maybe earlier on in the relationship and be nice as to who you are, be kind, build the relationship. But your purpose in these relationships is to maximize the opportunity and to ask for a major gift. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, uh, that's a really important thing is yeah, I, the word aggressive, I don't really like too much in terms of benefactor related stuff, but, but the idea of it is exactly what he was saying. I think a lot of times when people that are new to this are way too timid and they think like, I, I have to know someone and be at the baptism of their first child before (laughs) I can ask them to, to give a meaningful gift towards something they care about. And, and that's, and that's just not the case. And so, um, you know, maybe if you could uh, tell me about uh, a story, it could be just maybe a, a particularly large gift that you were involved with being brought in during your career or just a, a fun story or something you, you're excited about. Yes. One of my fun stories, and you know it, is uh, – and this is how it happened. And again, it goes back to networking relationships, but it goes about – goes to asking people whether for money, for an introduction to host an event, you have to ask and you have to be in that mode. And so uh, somebody told me about a guy that I'd heard of that really was involved in the pro-life movement and said, you should, you should meet him. And so he had gone to my high school again. So I just called him directly. We had breakfast. I laid out the things we needed to build the organization. He goes, my wife and I will do all of that for you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I asked him for introductions. I asked him to support us financially, to be on an advisory board. So he had an event and he invited several other key people to host the event. And he invited a friend, I'll call her Amy. She came, uh, she hosted the event, invited people. She invited her sister. I met her sister. Uh, After the event, Amy said, look, you really need to meet my sister's brother-in-law. So I said, okay. So she called the, the, uh, her sister, I'll call her Mary. And, 
she said, sure, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to my brother-in-law and see. Well, this this man was wealthy. And so now we're three connections away for my friend and then his friend and then her sister. And then I get on the phone with the, the end guy and I he said, I got five minutes. Give me your spiel. And uh, I, ha- I had my spiel ready. And he was no nonsense. He was in he was in Midland, Texas. He wasn't in Dallas. So I couldn't meet with him. And he was the kind of guy who he didn't care if he met me or not. But he had heard from his sister about what we did. And he heard from me and he he cut me off and he said, OK, I got it. I got it. I got it. He goes, And this was in uh, May of 2011. And the event had been September 2010. So it had taken me several months just to get to him. And he said, I, what I want you to do is send me an invoice in June for $5,000 and send that to me every month for the rest of the year. And then we'll talk. Well, we're still talking because he's still giving Heroic Media $5,000 a month. And it is April of 2020. Wow. wow. <laughs> so <laughs> to me, it was just the, the connections, but you have to pursue those and you have to keep asking. And it's this idea of moves, moves management. Keep moving these relationships along. And all the people I mentioned along the way, they all gave money and they all hosted events. But also, what else can they do for you? And the only way you can learn that is to visit with them, get to know them, ask some questions and listen. And you'd be amazed at what people can do for you and what they have to offer. And they don't even realize what they have to offer. They're not fundraisers. They're not salespeople. But if you can draw it out of them, it's, it's amazing. I, I've had one or two visits and 400, 500 visits in my career that I walked away saying that was a waste of time. One or two. Yeah. That was yeah. it. And you always get something out of it. So tell me about the uh, the $5,000 a month. That's absolutely incredible. How how long was that after your first day at Heroic Media that that happened? Almost exactly one year. Okay. Um. Yeah, so that was about one year, and it came about through activity. Um, right. And and I think I think an interesting thing about this story is, uh, in some ways, I I like it as a first story on the podcast. In some ways, I don't because I think you'd agree with me that is not uh, a phone call, a one time phone call in five minutes that leads to $5,000 a month being given essentially in perpetuity is not kind of the typical way that uh, a gift comes about. But uh, the idea that it came about through lots of activity and gaining connections, that is the key point that uh, I think we can all benefit from. Because sometimes you feel like, man, does it really matter if I go see this person? Does it really matter if I call that person from my high school and schedule a breakfast meeting? And this kind of stuff is what can result from picking up the phone and going out there and meeting with people. So I think that's that's amazing. I have four or five mantras that I really fall back on. And very, very early in my fundraising career, I met with an old friend who had been in sales for 20 years. And we're sitting at a Starbucks. He said, Mike, you're worried about who's going to say yes and how much they're going to give and when they're going to give. Your job is activity. And right when he said that, a guy walked by our table that he knew who was a prospect for him. And they talked for five minutes. He said, look, see, we're sitting here in Starbucks together and look what just happened. I saw a guy who I've been working on for a while. And so another career fundraiser said, you'd be amazed at the number of fundraisers who stay in their office and wait for a check to come in. 
Yep. And they said, you've got to meet as many people as you can. I've learned from the commercial real estate brokers. All they try to do all day long is get appointments. It's appointments and appointments. And if you're active, going to events, meeting with people, talking to people, asking for introductions, you're going to build this pipeline. And that's the other key. You have to build a pipeline. And you cannot do that without identifying as many prospects as you can and then finding a way to get to them. So that's another thing I kind of want to focus on is one of the things I've noticed is that people who are successful in major gifts versus people who are unsuccessful, the unsuccessful people always have an excuse um, <laughs> as to as yes. to why, you know, the time's not right. My boss is bad. I don't have the connections. I'm in a new city. So I want to I want to point out something that you said earlier. Uh, you mentioned your connections in Dallas and and you don't think you would have lasted six months without them. And I want to, in some ways, disagree with you uh, <laughs> because because I think you're you're discounting the level of activity that you've had. I mean, me being able to have seen you work in some capacity over the past six years, most people just don't see as many people as as you right. do. And and so the you can you can tell me if this is true or not, but would what percentage of the people that you currently visit with were people that you knew before you started uh, your career in, in fundraising, roughly? At this point, not many. Yeah. Early on, yes. But very soon, I was relying upon those people. I call them the first ring of relationships. I knew most of those people knew of them before I started the job. But I knew I had to get to the next ring, the next level. And those people introduced me to those people. Uh, and it wasn't long before I got there. And now you just learn you, you can't rely on your existing relationships. Yes, I had a great foundation of relationships, but you have to get beyond that. And again, you ask those people for introductions. And, and I, I relied on really three core practices to build heroic media. And one of them was personal introductions. And I had to find the people I wanted to get to and then find how to get to them. And I did rely upon people I already knew. But 10 years into it, um, there's still some of that or there's people I still meet with and, and visit with and get money from that I met five years ago or seven years ago, but probably had never even heard of them before I got into fundraising. Well, you're right. You're right. You just got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and get out there further and further and further. Are there any other stories that come to your mind as uh, illustrative of an important point? So there is a, a wealthy Catholic family in Dallas who I knew of, and I asked for an appointment and I got it. And they're very nice. And they listened. And I ended up getting a gift of $5,000. And that was nice. And I was appreciative. Uh, months later, I was talking to someone I'd known a long time who I knew knew them. And I said, look, I need help of getting to this family again um, and I think that if you call them and endorse me and talk to them, uh, then that will really help. And she goes, OK, I'll do it. And she goes, by the way, did you know that they've got three grandchildren and they're all adopted? I said, no, I didn't know that. Well, Heroic Media had just created a commercial about adoption. And I said, ding, 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 ding. I'm in because I found something that was very, very personal. To them. I immediately called for an appointment. I got it. And uh, within a few days after the appointment, they said they're going to give us $50,000. And I would not have known about the adoption connection without the relationship. 
And again, I got right back in front. And the person I ended up meeting with from that family was her daughter who had adopted the three kids. And it was not a hard sell, but I found that connection. So it was a combination of digging and finding something out that was very, very important to them, but also relying upon somebody to make that connection for me and then just making the ask as soon as I could. Yeah. And that's key. I think that's another thing is when you, when you see an opportunity taking it because so many times uh, people are just terrified to take that step of making the phone call, sending the email, sending the text to schedule a visit with someone. There's organizations I've told them, Hey, here's someone I know that I know would be very interested in your mission and they have enormous capacity, Um, you know, have given public seven figure gifts to different organizations. And this is exactly the kind of thing they would care about. And they for years have never contacted them because (laughs) there's, there's, there's so much strategy. There's like, well, what if, what if they say this, we need to be prepared for this objection. And, you know, while they're, you know, thinking about this for years, there's somebody else like you who just says, "Hey, there's a number. I'm going to call it and see what happens," uh, because you're you're no worse off, even if they if they say no, then well, at least now you know, and you're not just sitting around for three years twiddling your thumbs. So the other mantra is never say no for your clients. Yes. And you've heard this, you yes. and I probably talked about this when we first met, is that you mentioned excuses. And I'm amazed at the excuses I hear from other fundraisers. I could never have come up with them. They're just remarkable <laughs> excuses. But but I hear things like, well, they just gave a big gift to the school, or they've got three kids in college, or whatever it might be. If you want a good excuse, you can come up with them. But what our job is to do is to present the opportunity. Tell them about our mission. We probably wouldn't be meeting with them unless we felt like they had affinity. We know they have some level of capacity. You just put it out there. They know why you're meeting with them. They get asked for gifts all the time. They're, it's a, the, peop, the people I know who, who have money and who are generous, they say you would be amazed at how many people call us and mail stuff to us every day. And, the, and these, they're going to give to something anyway. So why not you? Right. right. Yeah. Just put it out there. And sometimes they say right on the spot, we'll do it. Or they call you three days later after they talk to their spouse or it doesn't happen until you follow up three times and then three months, six months later, you get it. But that's you don't you can't worry about that. You just and present the opportunity is a term I heard from a guy who has kind of become um, one of the people that I, I really listen to and read. He's now deceased, but Tom Suttis. And he has these pithy statements. And one of them is don't uh, make up excuses uh, uh, to not ask somebody. Uh, Don't say no for your client. One of them is just visit, just ask. And yes, you cultivate. And yes, you listen. And yes, you do these things. But you're meeting with them to ask. And sometimes you can ask, uh, as he says, on the first date. (laughs) But you have to read. You have to read the signs and listen. And some people are just no nonsense. They say, what do you want from me? So I tell them and then I walk away with a, a gift and it doesn't happen all the time. But I've got a story like that that I, I, I didn't expect it, but it came about. And next thing you know, I had $30,000 from somebody. It was because of one lunch. I, I knew him before. I got the lunch because we knew each other and he was receptive and generous. But that's the kind of guy he was. And it, it, 
but I almost, I went into the lunch thinking that he's, I don't know if he's ever going to give it all. And I certainly did not expect that amount of money that soon, but you just do it. You just visit, you take, sometimes you, you push and you stretch and you speculate a little bit, but we have to do that in our job. Otherwise we limit um, our opportunity. Can't do that. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, I also, I love that, that phrase from Tom Suttis, just visit, just ask. Cause it, it just, it cuts through all the excuses and it's like, stop. You, you don't have to have the perfect case. You don't have to have the perfect leader or the perfect board or anything. You just sit down with the person and just ask. <laughs> and, right. and that they, they are, uh, intelligent, savvy, yes. big boys and girls, and they can <laughs> tell you no. If they want to and and not be upset about it, I, I think another point that's important you mentioned how you know if someone agrees to visit you mentioned we're meeting with the types of people who have affinity towards what we're doing, and to that point, people don't agree to visit with you unless they are interested in what you're doing and so and so to your point i've I've been on over a thousand visits for heroic media. And there is only one time that someone did not give when I asked them because of the mission. Uh, certainly, mm-hmm. certainly <laughs> many times people don't give, but only in one case was it because they didn't like what we were doing. And so, so your point is exactly it is they're not going to meet with you unless they're interested in, in seeing if this is something they want to invest in. So I think that's key. Right. It's our job to explain our mission and our cause the best we can. I once worked for an organization where sometimes what we were asking for is a little more opaque, not something people were automatically familiar with and understood. You have to find ways to articulate what you do and the benefit to them and the benefit to the things they care about. They care about the community. They care about a school or a faith or an area, a city. And you have to connect those dots. And sometimes you don't have much time. Sometimes you have a lot of time, but things aren't quite, you can't close the deal. You have to be creative. You have to push in a nice way. And you know that they're they're interested, but they can't quite get there. They can't quite figure it out, but you can't give up. And usually those things, they work out. You know that they they're going to like it, but they just aren't quite there yet. And you have to figure out how to get them there. You had mentioned at some point you've been on a lot of visits during your career and only a handful of those were a waste of time. <laughs> do any Correct. of those uh do any of those waste of time visits come to mind that uh could potentially be entertaining <laughs> for our listeners? Um well one of them I remember well, I don't know how entertaining it was, but I knew before we even parted ways nothing was gonna come of it. I think he met with me because of a personal connection and we had some other connection points. Um, but I think it was, is what you said. He, he, I don't know if he was that interested in the mission or I really think he just wasn't that generous of a person. There are people who just, for whatever reason, they have a hard time giving, maybe they didn't grow up with it. Uh, and they just, they don't do very much giving at all. It's an afterthought, but you don't meet with those people. Right. And, and, and you know who you're meeting with, and so, again, you have the affinity for the cause and the case. You have the capacity, but you also are looking for people who are generous. I read an article maybe eight years ago 
It said the best indication of the level of gift your prospect can give is not what they've given to your organization in the past, but what they've given to some other organization in the past. So they may have given you $10,000, but they gave this organization a million dollars. So their capacity is a million dollars, and that's what you should work towards. That's your indication of what they can do, not what they've done with you, maybe. But but you have to know that, and you have to research, and you need I, – I call it street knowledge. That's just knowledge from being in the community and, and talking to lots of people. And you would be amazed at what people tell you about their friends, and, that, and even more so if they're acquaintances. They tell you all kinds of stuff, things you can act upon. And that is very true. Yeah, I mean, it's especially – I think some of the people you and I know, especially some of these sales people, I think some uh, some very successful sales people that run in circles of other super high performers, they like that they know these types <laughs> of people, and they yes. like to, they like to sort of brag about like, yeah, my buddy, he's got these businesses, and you know they'll say things like his. His, you know, monthly income is more than more than I made in the past 10 years. And uh, I don't know. So, yeah, to your point, though, just spending time around people and hearing them hearing them say stuff about their friends is key. And one thing I I take a, a step further is sometimes we gain information from things we hear like that. But I think that that stuff is uh in some ways off limits unless we hear it from the benefactor themselves. So like, for example, I might hear from someone that I know that their friend has enormous financial capacity, but they only know that because they're a close friend of them. So if I go, if I go in and I visit with a prospective benefactor and on the first visit, there are zero indications that they've given me that they could give a you know hundred thousand or million dollar gift, and I ask them for some enormous gift. The the prospective benefactor is like, why in the world would you think I have that kind of capacity? So, so that information is that you get from people is key, but only insofar as it encourages you to schedule the visit with the person and then ask them the types of questions uh, that would lead to them sharing important information with you. So things like what you were saying about like, you know, asking someone a simple question, like what's the most meaningful gift you've ever given? And they might tell you, well, we gave a, a million dollar gift to our high school. And it's like now, now exactly what you were saying. Uh, we know what their capacity is. And so that gives us something to work towards, uh, so yeah, I think I think that's great. I've got a fun story about um, the importance of visits and uh, collecting information. So I had two visits on the schedule. I met with the first one guy I knew pretty well, and he said, "Yes, we just bought this company." I said, "I know the owner of that company. He's given me money before in my past life," and and it just happened a week or two ago. And so I said, "Oh well, that's incredible." And they bought it for an awful lot of money. Uh, a few days later, I had breakfast with a guy, and it was the brother of the guy who just sold his company. It was amazing. So I, I did not know the first guy had sold his company. I just didn't. It was probably in the paper, but I didn't see it. And those two people told me. So I could reach out to the guy who sold his company. I already had the relationship with him, so it wasn't a big surprise. 
but it was a timing issue. And there, there's a lot of people, especially in a town like Dallas, who are selling companies. And most of the time that I've learned about that, and that's a wonderful time to ask somebody to give. Most of the time I found that out through their friend or their connection. And it is invaluable information. That That's key. And again, it comes back to you're scheduling visits with people and you're in front of them and you're having conversations. And that's how you get the information. It, exactly to your point, it doesn't happen from sitting behind your desk and uh, waiting for checks to come in. That just does not does not work. Not at all. So one thing I'll, I'll, I want to go back to in the in the story of the the five thousand dollars a month that came in. What was your talk to me about your your kind of your attitude and your next actions after that? Because I think sometimes people people they focus so much on the on the the elephant, you know, and it's like I'm going to get this huge win, and then it's okay, I can, I can just take some time off and wait until the next big thing comes in. Tell me, tell me about what, what was your kind of mindset after, after that gift came in right around the, your one year mark at Heroic Media? My mindset regarding that donor or just overall? Just overall. Like, were you, were you more of, okay, I've kind of accomplished some good stuff. I can ease back a little, or was it more of now the momentum's rolling? Well, when I have something like that happen, it jazzes me, it gives me confidence, and I go even harder and faster. And I think success generates confidence. I'll give you an example. Right now, we're in the middle of the COVID crisis, and we couldn't visit with people. We had to do something. So we got on the phones, and we got on the email, and we looked at all of our past major donors and other people, and we just got after it. And it worked. (laughs) And so it bred so much confidence in doing that, that I got more speculative and I reached out to more people, people who maybe I knew pretty well, but had no connection with my organization, Catholic Charities, or had given to Catholic Charities in the past, but I had never met. But the cause was sympathetic. And again, we just put it out there. And I think people were more prone to be generous right now because of this crisis. And so Success bred more success, bred more confidence, and I got my people working for me who one was brand new, one didn't do a lot of this, and they started having success, and they got more confident and more aggressive, and not in an offensive way, but more aggressive in the sense of I'm going to find every person, prospect I can, I'm going to dig through this database, and I'm going to find people, and I'm going to call them, and I'm going to ask them. We had to ask them on the spot. Uh, and we did. Yeah. And, and that's, that's beautiful. I mean, I think the, you know, coming back to the aggressive thing, you know, it, it's, it's not a, you know, in a rude sort of way, but it comes, it comes down to ultimately people who are successful in major gifts are highly motivated by what that organization is doing and the people they're serving. And so when, when you know the impact that your organization is having, whether it's saving lives or helping people in a horrible financial situation who just need, need food or something so basic like that, when you know the good work that's being done and you really feel that in your soul, you are obligated to pick up the phone and make that call. And, and, and it doesn't mean that you, you tell them, you know, you got to do this right now, but it, it means that you are obligated to make the call and serve that benefactor well. And a lot of times for people who share our passion for this, 
that means exactly what you said, presenting them with an opportunity to do something meaningful, especially in a time like this when people need it the most. Right. The line I developed was, I know we haven't had a chance uh, to talk about the mission very much. or I haven't had a chance to introduce myself. I've been with Catholic Charities for seven months. But I said, we have a big need right now I would like to ask you to consider helping us with. And I think they understood that. And they basically forgave the fact that we hadn't had this great relationship yet. And I said, I would love to meet with you after this, but we have a big need right now. And I think it's important to convey urgency. It's, we need your help now. If you don't give now, you may never give. And so, but again, we had this very impactful thing to present. And I was passionate about it because we had 250 cars lined up one morning to get some food. These people were in difficult situation. And I knew that my prospects and donors that would appeal to them because they're generous, kind people. And they responded and five, 10, $25,000 to some of these people, uh, even though it was a snap decision for them, wasn't really that much money for them. It was almost easy. I just had to ask them. And a lot of times the, the uh, reaction was just immediate and very generous. Before I lose this, this thought, there's one of the things I, so I was, I was telling one of our mutual friends recently about one of the reasons I, I admire Mike Murray so much. And it, and it comes, it comes down to this first, I'll begin with somewhat of a joke, but another one of our friends uh, (laughs) who, you know, um, says that oh yes yes he says (laughs) when he refers to mike murray he says mike murray is jesus christ walking the earth today (laughs) that's so embarrassing i'll say that to my wife she will laugh (laughs) yes which uh which is funny but i i i bring that up because my, my point is this uh when when you left heroic media Almost no one. I mean, in Dallas, just about every single person who was giving to heroic media was doing it because of you in some capacity. And and but when you left, almost no one stopped giving to heroic media. And 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 th- this is the reason I bring it up. Uh, sometimes people coming back to the excuses thing, people say stuff like, Oh, well it's easy for that person because they're so wonderful or whatever. Um, but ultimately the reason I know that's nonsense is because it is not about the major gift officer. It's about the mission and it's about the benefactor. And that's one of the reasons I know the work you did at heroic media was so impactful is because when you left, people didn't stop giving to heroic media because they weren't doing it because of you. They were doing it because of the mission. And I know, I know you know that, but I want all of our listeners to hear that as well as that it's, it's not about you. So you don't have to be this amazing, uh, charismatic, energetic person. You just need to focus on the benefactor and you need to focus on the mission. And when you do that, you'll have success. My goal with coming to Catholic Charities was I knew we had incredible people implementing these critical programs. And my goal was to get my donors and prospects engaged with our mission and programs as soon as possible. I was the conduit. So instead of just talking to people at cocktail parties and then meeting with them and asking them for a gift, I knew I had to get them to our sites, our five service sites, 
and hear from our dedicated uh, program directors and the people out in the field. And we brought in clients, too, from our pregnancy, parenting, and adoption program and from our senior service program, our food program, who gave testimonials, which is really important because I knew our mission was compelling. I knew our programs were incredibly impactful. So engage them around the mission and the programs and the impact and make it about the benefactor. And then the organization and the cause sells itself. And I learned that early on before I even became a fundraiser. I was an admissions director for my high school. And I knew if I could just get these kids on campus and see the campus and see the vitality, I had them. And it wasn't about me. I was a facilitator. But I, but I also asked. I tried to get them there. I invited a lot of people. I set up the event. But you, your cause and your case is what sells people. Anything else come to mind as uh, either stories you'd like to share or last uh, parting words? Well, <laughs> I was trying to think of stories uh, before talking. I've told a few. I would just go through the things that I rely upon. We talked about activity. And then cut to the chase, identify prospects, cultivate them, and solicit. Those are the three steps. Fill that pipeline. Always be prospecting. I think the moves management concept is very important. You have to keep track of people. You have to maximize the opportunity with the donor in the given moment. And unless you're tracking them in a CRM and constantly revisiting your top 25 list or top 50 list, which you have to have, then you're wasting time. People are falling through the cracks. You haven't visited with them. Maybe they sold your, their company and you never knew it because you took six months to get in touch with them instead of six days. So you have to focus on moves management, maximize relationship at a given moment. Don't say no for your clients. Uh, the 80-20 rule is probably, uh, I think Tom Sutter says it's 97-3. <laughs> and so I built Heroic Media on five or seven people. I did. And these people, MW, who we talked about, he, he didn't give to me at first. We were good, longtime friends. But he said, Mike, I'll introduce the people. He probably had one of the best networks in this city of anyone I know. And he would send this beautiful email to his friends. He would talk about me walking on water, which was a joke, but he said it. And people knew that was his personality and said, you need to meet with him. I'd follow up immediately, and I got visits with those almost every single one of those people. Uh, but he was a core person. We mentioned the first person who every time you ask him to do something, he says, yes, you have to find those people. You have seven people who serve on an event committee for you. Three do all the work. And that's just how it is. But those people are out there. So uh, focus on those and don't use seven strategies to – uh, build your pipeline or find prospects, use three and just do it every day over and over and over again. And it's different for every organization. Some organizations should have a big gala or golf tournament. Some organizations should never even think about that. And if you're smaller, you don't really have time for those things and they, they cost too much money. Just get out on the street and visit with as many people as you can and ask them. And you, I guarantee you, and I know you'll say this too, you will get results if you're meeting with the right people. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's a key thing that you mentioned about people giving referrals and almost everyone agrees to visit with you. That is, I looked through at one point every 
uh, person in our database who'd given a major gift that I've been involved in the relationship. And there wasn't a single one where I didn't have some personal connection to that person. So either, either they'd already given to the organization or if it was someone new, I had to have a personal connection, even if it was really distant, I had to have a personal connection to get the visit scheduled. And so, so that's key. You're not going to by and large, you're not going to pick up a, you know, a phone book and just start dialing people. And it, it happens because exactly what you said, someone that they respect sends them an email saying, you've got to meet with this person about this organization. And when that happens, they say yes. So I think that's, that's key is focusing on those referrals is, is key for sure. Right. Cold calling doesn't really work. So if you're not digging for prospects and visiting with people and searching through your database, another mantra, there is gold in your database. There it is. There are people in there. I learned this from the, the COVID relief effort. We have 90,000 people in the database. And I dug in there and did all kinds of different searches based on different criteria and found person after person after person who I didn't know who could give a major gift. And you've got to dig. And if they've given to your organization, they're a prospect, whether you met them or not. You, you can't consider them a non-prospect. And you have to be pretty open-minded about what a warm touch and a prospect is. And you can't be super cautious and conservative about it. You've got to reach a little. and But if you have some kind of personal connection and you can build rapport quickly, it might just be you went to the same high school, 20 years apart, but you've got rapport now. And then you've got it. You're in and just assume that you have the relationship, they want to listen to you, and you're laying the groundwork and just keep going forward. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for being the first guest on One Visit Away. And also just uh, all you've done for Heroic Media and all the organizations you've been with and for being my first uh, mentor in major gift work and just really appreciate everything you've done for me and all these organizations. So thank you. You're welcome. But Kevin, I'm already learning from you. You, What's neat about you is that you really love development and fundraising. You read books. You talk to people. You think about it. You're doing a podcast. A lot of people just aren't as comfortable doing that. You're totally comfortable. You love it. And you love the trade, the practice, the you know what it really is. And that's one reason why you're so successful. Yes, you have gifts to do this, but um, you maximize those gifts and you learn. And you're 20 years ahead of people who've been in the business for 20, 30 years because you love what you're doing and you love the people and you're passionate about your cause. And I think if people can put those things together, the sky's the limit. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Mike. This was a lot of fun and uh, look forward <laughs> to having you uh, as a future guest. You know, once once we hit our first million subscribers, I'll, <laughs> I'll bring you back. <laughs> It'll be sooner than you think. <laughs> I'll, I'll settle for the first 10 listeners first and uh, we'll go from there. Well, thanks so much, Mike. And I enjoyed having you on the show. You too, Kevin. It's been great talking to you as always. That was Mike Murray, Chief Development Officer at Catholic Charities Dallas. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe to the show, leave a review and share it with other development professionals. You can also follow the show by connecting with me on LinkedIn or following One Visit Away on Facebook. I hope Mike's words have inspired you to schedule more visits.
After all, you're only one visit away from a conversation that could lead to $5,000 a month for your organization for many years to come.